Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. It's a confusing time of year, to say the least. Is it summer? Is it not summer? Will I need a jacket? No, it feels warm. Okay, now it's snowing. Not a bad time of year to sort through one of the more confusing aspects of running. That is mobility versus flexibility and how working on both even a little bit each day can significantly improve your running no matter what level you're at. Here, as always, to lead me by my inexperienced hand is the Irish athletics legend and all round legend, Sonia Sullivan. How are things in Utah, Sonia? Yeah, we're still here. And uh, we've we've had a bit of mix in the weather too. We've had a bit of snow <laughs> and um, a few muddy runs, but um, yeah, we're getting things done. And yeah, summer appears to be around the corner, so uh, yeah, we're we're waiting for that too. It has been a catastrophic May here in England, absolutely bucketing out of the heavens at every turn. Like sometimes I've been here and it's been like twenty nine, thirty degrees in May, and I can't handle that. <laughs> now I'm completely the other way. I'm like getting angry at the weather people when they deliver the weather reports. But it is, it's shocking that people are getting excited here this weekend about the prospect of 17 degrees. But that's where we are. We will, of course, be taking your questions submitted on the Irishman Abroad live line. There's Sonia's tip of the week. If you want to support the creation of the show, get access to our huge back catalogue archive of hundreds and hundreds of episodes for the price of a cup of tea and a bun. You can get access to all of that over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and you just get the link. You add it to your podcast app and it populates with everything you'll possibly need to listen to this year. Maybe suddenly straighten out right out the door. What is the difference between mobility and flexibility. Can you get that into a nutshell for us? Oh, well, there's there's actually a big difference between mobility and flexibility. I think we could throw the terms all in together because they're kind of similar, I suppose. And flexibility, we've dealt with that a lot, you know, the stretching and the warming up stretches and everything else. But the mobility is like how you actually use the power that you have to move yourself forward. And then the more that you work on that, the more you can improve your ability to move yourself forward faster. Okay. Which is what we which is what we all want to do. Yeah. So the flexibility is more connected to your muscles ability, right? Am I right in saying this? Now I'm I am like as I say, I, I am totally new to this and both of those words I would have used interchangeably. But you're saying that mobility is more connected to your joints and your ability to use them. Well, the mobility is definitely, it's a lot more dynamic and a lot more active. Like stretching can be very relaxing and slow and take your time. And then you can move on to a bit more active stretching where we use the rope and we kind of help that to stretch ourselves a little bit further than we naturally do. But the mobility is when you actually go to the gym and you start to do some pretty dynamic exercises, you know, for and a lot of it is around your, your glutes and your kind of, yeah, your glutes and your hamstring, your glutes and your hips and mm. just the kind of core middle area of you that the part of you that, you know, powers you and doesn't. I think if you use that properly, then you're less likely to get lower leg injuries. Right. And but then- in order, but in order to do that, you need to 
you know, you need to do it properly. You can't just go into the gym and start, you know, throwing things around. And you really have to work from the bottom up. And, you know, in order to do that, you have to work on your stability. And as, you know, the stability of your of your ankle joints Mm -hmm. is really, really important. And to work from your feet. And, And that's something that I've seen the athletes here. They work on that daily. Really? They're always working on their ankle flexibility and their foot strength. Because that's the most important part. You know, that's where you're landing every single step. Absolutely. Um, and it's going to it's going to be the shock absorber for everything else that will come from there. And when you say they're working on it, do, what does that look like? And also for the the newbie myself, how do I assess myself if like I think a lot of people are wandering around with poor mobility, not really knowing that they have poor mobility. Yeah, I mean, I think even elite athletes walk around with poor mobility and they don't know it. And, you know, only when they go to somebody who's an expert in this area, who's studied a lot and worked it out. I mean, there's a lot of um, science and physics involved here in how, you know, the body is holding itself up and then how you move it forward in in an efficient way. And you just have to look at, you know, athletes running I mean, yesterday I was watching the races in Gateshead and the sprint race, there was a big showdown between um, Shikari Richardson from America and Dina Asher-Smith from the UK. And Mm. they both had, they're running 100 metres. You know, it's 10 seconds of running, just under 11 seconds. They might have been over 11 seconds yesterday with the wind and rain. Mm. (laughs) But they both have very different running styles and they get there in a similar time and they're probably, you know, as good as each other. Dean Asher-Smith won, but she had a much more forward running style. Shikari Richardson, she looked like she was kind of going side to side. And you see that in a lot of runners. You know, people move differently and, you know, they get there somehow. But sometimes, I suppose, as they get better and they want to improve more, they go to see somebody who is normally a, a physical, they can be physical therapists or they can be, like, body movement specialists is the is the term that you'll hear yeah. around a little bit now and that often makes people go which doctor but a body <laughs> movement specialist more than likely will have a load of letters after his or her name because to get that title you kind of do need to know your stuff yeah and they don't just have a normal gym they have gyms with like all the bits and pieces that athletes use and and many of them carry it around with them <laughs> wherever they go you yeah. know they there's there's one thing i found recently well i always have the rubber bands but i don't always know how to use them properly but when you get a a foot routine to help to use the rubber bands just to strengthen the ankle joints and you know you'll find if you walk into an athlete's house or even my house these days <laughs> there's a rubber band around the leg of a table or the leg of a chair to remind you to use it every day, you know, mm. and as much as it might annoy you to see it there every day, <laughs> it's got to be there. Otherwise, you'll forget to use it. And then the other thing is these things called sliders. Have you ever heard of them? I, I, I might think, are they like little pads? They're like discs. Yeah, it's like a, a circular disc and one side is kind of smooth and the other side has got some carpet on it. So depending which surface mm. you're going to use them on, if you're going to use them on carpet or if you're going to use them on hardwood floor you flip them over but it's for doing things like mountain climbers Mm. and um, you can do lunges with them and so it just means that the exercises that you're doing are a lot more dynamic and faster and a more you know running motion and you build up to doing these but um, these are some of the exercises that I see being done in the gym every day and um, if you look at a lot of runners these days they do run they can run a bit differently. You can tell the athletes who spend more time in the gym. They have a, a bit more of a forward lean and they're not so straight up because that is a lot more efficient way of running to be moving forward rather than up and down. I can almost hear people Googling sliders as we talk about these things. Anytime you mention a, an unusual piece of kit, I can feel people going to have a a look for them. The elastic bands are something you've told me to get ages ago, and I I have them knocking about the house. Uh, I haven't got sliders, but all of this conversation, I guess, 
it's useful to look at my case study here because as in case people don't know, I'm in the middle of a recovery progress process from this stress reaction that I've had in my left leg to the ridiculous amount of training that Sonia has been asking me to, to do. <laughs> no, it's all being dialed back now. <laughs> I know. And it totally wasn't. It was, it was deviating from the plan that resulted in this overrunning, producing a stress reaction in the left leg. But when I've been to my physio, shout out Kieran Cummins, when I've talked to a train with Trevor, Trevor Cummins. No uh, relation. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> yeah. They uh, both identify this poor ankle mobility. And, you know, I was of the opinion that, look, that's the way my legs go. <laughs> and uh, in the same way as I would have thought, I am not a stretchy person that I was stuck with it, that the Lord had bestowed upon me poor mobility in my hips and ankles. And that is that. So many people take that attitude, Sonia. And so many people like me until this month thought that recovery from an injury doesn't involve any Poirot or Colombo work as to how this happened. It was more a process of make the pain go away. Now let's get back to work. Why is it essential that you get to the bottom of it and establish if mobility is the cause? Well, the obvious answer is if you don't, it's going to happen again. And it's a little bit like, I don't know, you might not have experienced this yet in your your cycling days. But if you get a puncture in the bike and you stop and you fix the puncture, if you don't check inside the tire, before you put the new tube back in, there's every chance there's a nail or a torn in there. And as soon as you start back again, the tire is just going to go flat again. And, you know, with a body, you know, it may not happen so quickly. Um, but, you know, we're also excited when we return from injury to get back into things straight away, to build back up again, to regain our fitness that we had that we can sometimes forget to work out, well, why did this happen in the first place? And, you know, you might say, oh, maybe I did a few too many runs or I did a few too many fast runs. And maybe you did and it added to it. But that probably is not the root cause of the problem. There's probably something in your biomechanics that because you did those activities over and over again on a, a weakness, then there was more chance that you were going to get injured. And, you know, we didn't really consider that because we were too excited to get you going and to build you up. Um, but I think now is a great time because you've experienced the injury mentally and physically and you don't want to go there again. And I think that's kind of how I deal with things a lot these days is that, you know, if you do get an injury and you sort it out, you don't want to go back there again because it's a dark place and it's no fun. And, you know, so if you just take that extra week or 10 days to, you know, build up the weak areas before actually jumping back into the running, which is a simple activity, but it's high impact and it's high load and it's a lot of stress on the body. So I think the stronger that you can be in your weak areas, then the better you will be moving forward and, and the longer you'll get going and, and probably you'll be more aware if something is creeping in that might not be a good thing that you'd be more willing to stop and check it out the next time before it gets to the point where you have to stop for a long time. Two things really quick, right? Uh, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the impatience to get back out, right? And that obviously drives a lot of people who won't go into the Colombo work uh, of enlisting people like Trevor and Kieran to puzzle it out because the impatience is is massive. And I, I never thought I was that impatient, Sonia. But like, it's really been a case of managing this on a day-to-day -day basis. The urge to go when there's no pain, the urge to just go, look, I'm grand. You know, that that that's in, in us once we're feeling out of the way of the the thorn, you know, once the puncture looks like that wheel will spin, you think get back up on the bike. I've found this really hard. I think I've opened up in the last few weeks about, like you said, the dark place of it. What do you say to people like me who are struggling with literally their own impatience, hearing all the best advice, but still going, 
I'm so impatient to go. But what what have you been doing to, I suppose, fix the weakness or to to deal with the the weak area? Have you been doing some exercises and yeah, hops and things like that to to check that you're you know on the road to nearly out the door yeah heaps of stuff i guess Um, one of the key mobility exercises that loads of listeners will recognize is this knee to wall exercise that uh, trevor has me doing where you are about three inches four inches maybe away from a wall and you kind of go into a a kneeling lunge position and you try and get the knee joint uh, to move past the toes on the flat foot so you're you've got one knee on the floor one flat foot on the floor three inches from the wall trying to get the the knee to touch the wall on one side isn't a problem but obviously on the left is so that's just one thing we've been doing to try and increase the mobility in terms of the other bits and bobs of you know testing it there's been a a fair amount of hopping up and down jumping up and down on the spot changing legs doing those kind of scissor jump things that you do and one legged hops while leaning on a counter is the other thing that uh, kieran has me doing and then obviously just brisk walks like uh, if you can manage I, I keep reading that if you can manage 40 minutes brisk walking then you're nearly there but it's it's like Boris Johnson's echoing in my ears the whole time. An abundance of caution he keeps talking about. And <laughs> uh, uh, every time I think, oh, I, I'd love to put on my shoes and even just run around the pitch once, I text Trev and Trev goes, let's just wait one more week uh, or let's just hold off until you've done one more day of this. And it is a bit head melting. But anyway, the, to answer your question, that's what we've been doing. Right. Now, have you have you run across the road yet? When oh, is a car coming? A, a cheeky run across the road definitely has been done. <laughs> a drop off. You warned me that that would happen. Yeah, a little cheeky kind of... Uh, old people love running across the road. Do you ever notice that? Like, younger people will kind of saunter as if to say, go on, try and hit me. Whereas elderly people kind of clutch their bag and do that little mini jog. That's what I've been doing <laughs> to get across the road. <laughs> <laughs> and no pain. That's the main thing. No pain. Well, that's good. That, that That's really good. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the next time you speak to Kieran and Trevor, I'd say I'd be looking for a date to mark on your calendar and then work towards that, I think, would be a good idea. But and isn't, then, that, isn't know, that quite like the, the, you know, the opening up of these countries that like picking a date, Sonia, isn't how the body works. I'm scared of picking a date because it's like it's no more than. Uh, you know, saying I'm going to celebrate my birthday on this date, whether the country opens up or not. I'm having a party. You, you know, it doesn't. It, it, it surely I should be going. That the marker shouldn't be a number in the calendar. The marker should be if I can hop up and down on that leg for two minutes solid without any pain. I'm in business. Yes, that's true. But you can probably do that right now, can't you? So I think any date that you're setting now is bonus time that you'd be, you know, saying, OK, right. Well, I want to run today. I see a lovely green field out there. The rain has stopped and I want to run around it. But I'm going to take an extra week or 10 days and then I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it slowly. And between now and then, every second day, I'm going to do my, my hopping and you know, skipping even and, you know, a little have a little routine of that you can gradually improve or increase as the days go on. But you don't do it every day, every second day. You when, need to have when, a rest. We've had this confusion before on skipping. Do you mean like gaily skipping down the road <laughs> with one knee up in the air or skipping with a skipping rope? Yeah, skipping, <laughs> skipping gaily down the road. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> skipping with a skipping rope is a bit that. It depends. I think it's good for some people and not for others. I think if you're a heavy body person, it's probably not great for you. Really? Um, unless you become efficient at it mm. because they can land too heavily. You have to get good. You have to be you can't definitely can't go into it gung ho and, you know, I'm going to skip here for half an hour. OK. Because you're, and, it, and you have to be careful of the surface that you're skipping on as mm. well. You know, if you're in a gym and it's a sprung floor, then you're probably pretty good. But, you know, if you're on a concrete footpath. 
It's not great. Yeah, you see, I have been described as a big unit in the past, Sonia, which is <laughs> GAA code for fat lad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it is, but I, I'm I'm a broader person. Uh, I don't. Are think... you a heavy? Are you a heavy heavy boned person? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I've been called a Clydesdale in the past as well. We do need to do an episode around that kind of thing because, like I said, the, the goal was never here to for me to lose weight, even though. I probably had weight to lose. But when I dropped the weight I did, you said, now you're going to be running more efficiently. So there's probably room for an episode on that subject. I do want to talk about this, though, because I did a brisk walk Friday, right, uh, to the black hole of money for runners that is runner's world. There is a runner's world about 25 minutes from my house and people had warned me on Strava in the Irishman Abroad Running Club, uh, strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Running Abroad. Stay out of there because uh, you, your wallet will be empty when you leave. I did a brisk walk over and uh, lo and behold, the place was pretty much empty when I got there. I didn't want to get in a treadmill to do a gait assessment because we're trying to avoid running. But the guy has a quick look at how I'm moving up and down in in my running shoes. And he identifies that I am pronating, over pronating, which means rolling inwards, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to do a quick check there myself. (laughs) I know. I always confuse the two. What's the the opposite? Supination, I think, is the other one. So he identifies that and I didn't tell him what my injury was just to see, because, you know, the way if you tell someone I'm having trouble with this, that they'll kind of, especially when they're in the business of selling runners. I was like, let's see what he says. And he says, you're doing this. And it's putting a strain on and he points to where I've got this pain, this stress uh, reaction. Now, it is it, it, on the on the brisk walk home and I, I am brisk walking listeners. There's there's full on arm swings going. This is the uh, this is you're obviously not car- you're not carrying anything then if you're <laughs> briskly walking and arms going. No, it's a it, it's a very embarrassing walk. But I, I I am just I have my head in the game around the idea of you've got to be able to sustain that to to feasibly go back running. But on that walk, I'm thinking to myself, now his answer is new runners. Like that guy's like you got to get yourself a pair of Asics four thousands right now. Or this will just keep happening. Now, Trev and Kieran, physio and coach, will both go, no, your problem is your ankle mobility and sticking a, a particular, nailing a different type of horseshoe to your foot will force your foot to land a different way or maybe support it a bit more. But you aren't addressing the underlying problem. Am I right in that uh, little spiral that I went on on the walk home. I didn't have a fresh pair of kicks under my under my arm, by the way, on the walk back. Well, that, that's good news that you weren't carrying a box that you were feeling guilty about buying because you weren't sure <laughs> if you were you were going against the wishes of your physio and your new um, physical body mobility. <laughs> Coach, yeah. So, yeah, no, I would agree. I think um, you do have to learn how to carry your body with your bare feet first without before you put the shoes on and you know I'm not saying to go out there and run in your bare feet but when you're doing a lot of these exercises indoors that you would have no shoes on and so that's the best when you wear shoes and you're trying to strengthen particularly your ankles and your feet then you're only getting about 50% of the work for 100% of the time 50% I, I, I would agree. It's it's much harder. If you take your shoes off, it's much harder to do any of these exercises. And are you talking about, like, what kind of exercises are you talking about? Oh, things like um, calf raises, against the wall thing that you were talking about, the knee to the wall. Yeah. Just the, like, you know, general twisting of the ankle in different directions and using the therabands to stretch your foot in both ways. I mm. know the thing with these therabands is, they come in lots of different strengths as well. So you have to, you know, don't work with one that's too difficult for you to start with. You have to work up to the black belt or the black band. Yeah, they do. They start at yellow, then it goes blue, then it's red and then black. And you reckon... And, and, depending, and depending on, you know, the company or who you get them from, they can be 
I mean, some of the ones that you buy in the shops, the ones that come ready made in a, you know, they're in a little loop. Mm. They can be very, they can be very weak, I think. Yeah. Um, the ones that you actually get from the physio and they pull it out of a box and they give you a lent and then they tie it in a knot. They seem to be a bit more standard in the variation of strengths because mm-hmm. I'm using a yellow one at the moment and it's actually quite strong. But I've got a few out of the box and that, I don't know, they're all weak. I don't find I think I nearly need to put them all on my feet at one time. <laughs> <laughs> to get any kind of tension. So, so I'm right that this is like the, the, that. This I have to be super careful of, and we all have to be super careful of the snake oil salesman, essentially, who's going. Oh, this can all be sorted out by a new pair of Nikes. That really the, including a. You know, I'm again. I'm just feeling around in the dark here, Sonia. I always feel like I need to emphasize this in every episode. I do not know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's be clear, in case anybody was in any doubt. Are you telling me that a mobility kind of program that you would get off the likes of Trevor and Kieran is absolutely essential to your running and to everyone? You need like, are we are we looking at Sonia's tip of the week here? Yes. Well, that's what I think I mentioned that to you before that, you know, we, when you find something that works for you and, you know, it, it may be a tight, just one small exercise that's helping you a little bit to improve an area of weakness that you have. And I think for a lot of us, because we use our feet so much, you know, not just in running and sporting activities, but in daily life, just going about our business that. They take a lot of wear and tear. So we have to constantly, you know, work on our feet to keep the strength there and to, you know, push away any kind of, I suppose, overuse injuries that are likely to come in there and to to take over and to stop us in our tracks. But I think once you find a little routine that works for you, then you should stick with it, even when you start to feel good. And you feel like you're back to normal and you're flying around. I think it's really important to, you know, try and keep it, you know, in your weekly routine a few times a week if you can't do it in your daily routine. Because when we all, you know, have those days where we're in a rush and we're short of time and we have to run out the door. And so, you know, it, it's better to get we, we've got to get our run in. <laughs> so you can't stop and do your exercises. But maybe you can remember to do them before you go to bed if you've missed them in the morning time. I think it's really important to not forget the the small details that help us to, you know, do the, I suppose, the more obvious, you know, going for a run that everybody sees. Nobody sees what goes on behind the scenes. And and they're the things that really keep us on our feet. Great stuff uh, and great advice as always there, Sonia. I just uh, thought occurred to me as you're saying it, and I think I wrote a note down on this earlier, that... Isn't it funny that, you know, at the start of this and when people go, I'm going to try running, I'm going to give it a go, that we don't sit down and go, well, I'm going to prepare my body for what I'm about to do. We largely just go, right, well, I'll, I'll chance two kilometers tonight and see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the we all want to do the kind of fun activities, the one that everybody sees when you're running down the road or that you see the results of, you know, you don't see the you don't see the results of little exercises that you do, whether they're strengthening or warm up exercises. They're not obvious. They're obvious to you because you'll run better and you'll run better for longer. But we can often forget how beneficial those little things are. And they're the things that they're time consuming and they're monotonous. And, you know, there are things that we should do when we're kind of not really doing anything else. You know, you can build it into your day because there's plenty of time in the day where you're sitting around doing nothing. You know, you might be working or, you know, you might be between stuff on the computer or you're, you know, having a look around the Internet. And, you know, while you're doing that, you could be also doing your exercises if you remember to do it. And then you're, you know, killing two birds with one stone. You're feeding your mind with the news out there but then you're also um working on your body while you're doing it so you're not just sitting there 
you know, doing nothing and wasting time, you're actually using the time efficiently. Absolutely. Uh, my my own uh, little life hack on that is uh, I boil the kettle probably six to seven times a day because I'm that addicted to coffee and warm drinks and just doing my calf raises or little hops while I'm waiting for it. You know that it's going to be a limited amount of time. You have a fixed start and end to it. That's a perfect opportunity, whatever exercise it is that you're trying to squeeze in to do it <laughs> while uh, waiting for a deli- delicious beverage. We have, of course, questions from our listeners. Before I get to the live line, we'll just give a little plug to our next event taking place on June 7th to the 13th, the FOTA Virtual Cheetah Run. This is a uh, this is the one that Sonia selected. It's run by Eagle Athletics Club. They organise the Cheetah Run in Photo Wildlife Park in Cork most years. But obviously that can't take place this year. It is the operating costs of Photo are insane, like €380,000 a month. And they obviously need us to help out in some way. You can register really easy for this. MyRunResults.com forward slash events forward slash photo virtual cheetah. Uh, there's a 5k adult race, a one mile race for juveniles and a family entry, which the Regans have taken advantage of. So Tina and Mike, you're also going to get medals for this if we pull it off. You've obviously done this race in person at some point, have you, Sonia? Um, I haven't actually. It's one that I've always wanted to do, but it's in a place where I run all the time when I'm at home in Cove. It's my local kind of uh, go to running place. So that's why I've always wanted to run the um, the cheetah run. Mm. Um, I, di- I did have one time I was staying in photo and uh, I had the opportunity to go for a run in the wildlife park before it opened early in the morning. And we actually ran with Nevin Maguire, the chef. Oh, yeah. You come across Nevin, yeah. he's a great chef up there in County Cavan, and he was down doing one of his um, TV shows, and I was doing a cook with him in Fota, and we went for an early morning run, and it was fantastic, as all the animals were waking up, and we were running around the path, and um, the giraffes were coming out of the giraffe house. <laughs> So we had to stop and let the giraffes cross. Oh, amazing. And if anyone's been to photo, they'll know exactly, you know, they they open the gates and it's like a railway crossing. And then the giraffes just walk across into the big open field that they share with the the zebras. And so it's a very much an open zoo where the the animals roam free. And and it's a lovely place. You know, I I love going out there. I must make Um, the effort to get down uh, this uh, this August when I'm home, it looks like I will definitely be back in Ireland this August. So we've two questions in here. Uh, the first of which relates to what we're talking about today it comes from Sinead Tynan. She says, hi, Jonathan, Sonia. I have two questions for Sonia this week. Number one, is it OK to run with a bit of doms? Number two, can you tell us about foot ankle, about the foot ankle mobility routine you do? before your run she also adds i sometimes get doms after doing strength work and i have had long-term plantar ankle foot calf pain in the right side i'm doing rehab which is helping but would love to hear what you do sonia thanks a million love the podcast sinead right so where are we going first well the doms can you tell us what that means Charlotte? a d- delayed onset masculinity I I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I got somewhere. I got close, did I? Uh, it's something that people throw around a lot, you know, and uh, I'm one of these people I love to ask because I, I've i come from a world where we don't use those. Is it acronyms, you mm. call it? Yeah. Um, when people, you know, shorten stuff. And so I said, what does that mean? Like, you know, if you ever deal with anyone from a big company, they'll send you these emails and they'll throw in these acronyms and you're like, what the hell is that? So I'm forever Googling it, (laughs) trying to work out, you know, because I used to ask the question and then I kind of thought, oh, this is very embarrassing. Uh, That just shows that I've been out of the kind of, you know, (laughs) business world for such a long time. I'm off in my own little world. (laughs) (laughs) Muscle soreness. It has to be muscle soreness, is it? Delayed onset Um, muscle soreness. It's either soreness or syndrome. Okay. I'm not sure. 
Maybe it must be soreness. Yeah. Yeah. That was what I had written down. But anyway, so it is when you do a new activity and you feel sore the next day or, or two days later. And, um, you know, it actually running, you're probably going to feel this when you start back running because running is, you know, when you haven't been running for a while and you start back. And even if you've been doing lots of exercises, if you've been out there on the bike or in the swimming pool and you think, yeah, I'm keeping up my fitness, I feel great. As soon as you go for a short run, it's unbelievable how sore you feel the next day because it's just the hardest thing on your body to go for a run. And this also happens when you go to the gym and you change up your routines. And you, and I suppose I would refer to it as a good soreness. So it's a soreness that, you know, it's the result of doing an activity that you haven't done for a while or using muscles that you haven't used for a while. And I mean, I would always think when you have this type of soreness that there's no problem to continue on with it and whether that's running and definitely if it's going back into the gym to do the same exercises you know that's only going to help your body to get used to you know using those muscles and doing those exercises that you get used to it so then after you go to the gym the second time you shouldn't feel as sore afterwards yeah i think that i think i kind of love that uh pain that you're talking about where you've you know, it can, but it can be so severe. I think that's what Sinead is on about here is that like sometimes if you haven't done or if you're doing heavy squats, that pain can sometimes be like, you know, you, you struggle to to sit down on the loo or go downstairs. And sometimes you can think to yourself, should I really run if this is how sore my legs are? But in my experience, you you always feel better after it. Yeah, I think you do have to run it out or exercise it out of you and you just have to slow down and go to a soft surface you know so you have to do everything possible to make it easier on your body but i think it is it's kind of like a flush out of your body and another method i suppose would be to go to the physio or to the massage therapist and get a a massage out and they won't cure it but they'll give you a little bit more confidence that it's okay to go out and you know continue on and eventually wear the soreness out of yourself right um by by moving so her second question is your mobility routine sonia what are you doing for your feet well before i left australia i went to see the physio there and she gave me a great little foot routine and it starts off with getting a spiky ball have you come across a spiky spiky ball ball under the desk right now Yeah. And so you roll your foot on the spiky ball. And that's something that can take a bit of getting used to as well, to allow yourself to put different levels of pressure on the spiky ball. And that's really good for your your plantar fasciitis, which is that muscle between your toes and your heel. And to just kind of lengthen and strengthen that or lengthen it, I suppose, and make it a bit more flexible underneath there because it can get quite tight. So that wakes that up. And then the other thing is, and so this is in your bare feet, so you can see your feet and your toes to do exercises with your toes. So to lift your toes up in the air and to do this like up to 40 times. So you're just lifting your toes off the ground and you can lift them all up, the big one and all the rest of them. And then what you've got to try and do, and this is really difficult, is to put your big toe into the ground and lift your other toes up. Oh now, my god! I can already feel not, my feet cramping. <laughs> I'm not really good at that, and I actually have to put my finger on my big toe and lift the other toes up. And you know, when you do that for a while, you get better at it. And then the next thing you do is you you put all the other toes down and you lift your big toe up by itself. So you can do two feet at the same time. You know, you just have, but it's amazing how much focus an energy you have to put into it to force your toes to stay on the ground while you lift one one part of your, the other part of your foot up. So that's kind of one thing that I've been doing. And then calf raises, obviously, quite a lot of those double legs and single legs. And then I go to my rubber bands. And that's where you try and you if you put the rubber band around your feet, so flat around the front of your feet, and then you you push your foot out from the rubber band. So you can do both feet. Are we standing or sitting? Well, you can start sitting 
and then you graduate to standing. Right. So I was sitting and then when I came here and I saw the athletes were all standing, so I asked their strength coach, what, you know, is it better to stand or sit? And he said, well, you get good at doing it sitting. So then you stand up and it just adds another dimension to it. Mm. So you can start off sitting. So that's the one where you, you just have it around both feet and you use your foot, one foot to stabilize the other while you're pulling it out. And it's just a very slow movement and you're only moving your foot. So you've got to try and keep the rest of your, your hips, your knees and the rest of your legs still while you're using those intrinsic muscles in your ankle to pull out the theraband and strengthen the ankle. Well, we might and post an image of this up in the, in the Strava group just so that people know, because that sounds great. Yeah. And then you have to do, of course, the opposite side of your ankle as well. Uh, and that's where it comes to tying the rubber band around the chair mm. and you use the chair as a stabilizer while you pull your foot in. OK, um, I'm picturing it now. I have it now. I yeah. was a bit confused up to that point. But yeah. yeah, I think I've seen this one being done. And it, what is it strengthening specifically? Um, so it's strengthening all the muscles around your ankle joint. Right. I mean, there's a great question from Sinead Tyne, and if you want to submit a question, it's very easy to do so. Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. We've opened the Irishman uh, Abroad live line, and it's, it's simply our WhatsApp account. So if you want to send a voice note, the number is 0044-7543-122-330. We have one voice note this week, and it comes from hardcore fan of the show, long-time listener Seamus McAteer. Morning, Sonia and Gerald. Great show as always. I always like to ask, I always analyse my training when I come on, look at the stats and all what I've done. But one thing I'd like to know is, the maximum heart rate and minimum heart rate, what really does it mean? Or having a good heart rate, does it mean there's more left in the tank for a race or what? Many thanks. Great show as always. So maximum and minimum heart rate, Sonia. What, what, I've sent you on this voicemail to have a little think about this. What do you say to Seamus and everyone asking this very question? Yeah, so Seamus, he likes to analyze the data when he comes in and he's looking at his maximum heart rate and his minimum heart rate. And the heart rate is one of those things that it's very specific to each individual. So we're all different when it comes to mm. our maximum heart rate and our minimum heart rate. And you'll often hear people say, oh, I've got a very low maximum heart rate or I've got a high maximum heart rate. <laughs> but the key here is how do you actually know what your maximum heart rate is? Mm. And there's a very general, you know, 220 minus your age, and that's very, very general. And the only true way of doing it is to go and have a treadmill VO2 max test done because it's very hard Where to go out that there. Done? Oh, you'd have to go to a lab. Um, <laughs> there's, there's actually lots of places do it now for general, you know, fun runner and really? club runner. Oh, yeah. Like it was a thing that only, you know, high end elite athletes oh, yeah. would do. It looks fully um, like NASA. That's why I always exactly. pictured it. Yeah. And, you know, they put a thing on your head. You know, like hmm. this thing screwed onto the top yeah, of your like head. Yeah, like Bane from Batman. There's a peg. There's a peg on your nose, which I hate. And then they stick a thing into your mouth. <laughs> there's a, you know, they're the they're scuba kind of, diving job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you look like, you know, space like you're going to space or something like that, and you run along on the treadmill. So it's everything that's awkward about running and difficult and it's not natural at all. But you have to do this to get the true values because it's very difficult to do it outside because there's so many variables with the weather and the surface that you're running on and the gradient that you're running on. And when they do this test indoors, you're on the treadmill. And in order to expedite the test, they increase the the um, incline on the treadmill. Oh, Lord. And I used to always say to them, why do you do that? You know, I can run so much because it's 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 really difficult to run on a treadmill as they're increasing the the elevation on it. And it just feels horrible. And I would feel like I can run much faster and better if you keep it flat. I'm sure I can go better. But then what happens is that it takes too long and you get too tired. So then you can't get your heart rate up um, as high as possible if you go to max. 
Mm. And some people are good at this. Some people find it very difficult. So I think, I suppose for people, now we all have Garmin's and um, whatever, there's other type of watches out there. Someone was asking me about a Chorus watch this morning. Uh, there's lots of different watches out there that measure these things. Um, and now one piece of advice that I would say is that the heart rate that is measured on these watches, it's much more accurate if you have a strap around your chest than if you rely on the on the wrist heart rate. I really think that's not very consistent. And if you were to just kind of monitor your heart levels over different types of training sessions, you'd be able to work out, you know, what's your anaerobic threshold, which is probably the more important number than your maximum or your minimum. And that's the level where you're operating efficiently. And there's a, there's a great session that people can do like five times three minutes running at a 80% effort and that you should be able to find out, you know, your level of efficient running by doing this. So you run for three minutes at 80%, you take one minute rest and then you go for another three minutes. If you do this five or six times and then you go back and you look at the data afterwards, you should see nice, clean little mountains in your graph. Yeah. And they should all be fairly even. And, you know, if you don't start too fast, if you start too fast, then the first one will be up much higher. So you need a very nice, even mountain range in your graph. <laughs> you don't need some high peaks like the Alps and <laughs> or like Mount Everest. Or any, nothing needs to stand above the rest. They all need to be at a certain level. Gotcha. And this is and I think if you can find that out and work that out for yourself, then you can use that as a really important training tool to build your endurance and your aerobic capacity is greatly improved. And then you just top that up with speed work. So, you know, there's no point going out there searching for your maximum heart rate every day, but you've got to look for your more efficient heart rate and how to best use that in your training so that when it comes to a race, you can operate at that relatively high level for a long time. And then when it comes to the end of it, you can sprint and give a good hard effort for the finishing burst. Well, because you're fit enough to do it. Massive thanks to uh, Seamus McAteer for his question. As I said, you could also email us irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. I, I will be continuing my own fundraising for jigsaw.ie, my chosen charity partner. And of course, the Cheetah Run will be part of that. Follow my progress there to run 2000 kilometers, which has obviously had a pin put in it while I recover from this injury. But it's back on track, hopefully from next week onwards Sonia like the boys are like you know Jar let's see how you are on Wednesday uh, I, I, I mean you must understand what I'm feeling here but I am like I am chomping at the bit when this thing is taken away from you you do go through that period of real low real bluesy feeling so sorry for yourself you help me pull back the lens and put some perspective on it but this place that i'm at right now i'm just a a young lad waiting for christmas day <laughs> just like when is <laughs> it <June>. coming <laughs> like, yeah in june like w the fear is going back too soon isn't it you, you've obviously lived through that as well have you yeah i mean you definitely you know, there is this fear that, oh, what if, what if I go back too soon and then I've got to start all over again? And nobody wants to go there. So, yeah, you're going to have to take it very easy initially. And a bit of walking and jogging, you know, the first day will be very, very slowly. And then you just gain a little bit of confidence. And sometimes you will feel a bit of achy pain and stuff and you'll question, have I done the right thing here? And that's where we get back to this whole thing of, you know, is this a good pain or is it a bad pain? And so, yeah, you've got a, a few, I suppose, little hurdles to get through before it's all smooth sailing again. But we're here to help you and to guide you. And hopefully, you know, we'll get you there. And, you know, June, June is a nice month to get started. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the weather the will improve. The grass is still green and soft out there. It won't be too hard yet because there's been plenty of rain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I do really appreciate the messages from all the listeners who've been in touch who are who are also in similar situations or have been through it. 
before. We are, as I say, all running apart for now, but through the Irishman running abroad and these events like the Cheetah Run, we can run together. I hope you'll join us on the Cheetah Run. It's getting close now, but I wonder, is that out of reach, Sonia, the thought of me running 5K for that, or the 7th to the 13th of June? Well, maybe running it at high speed is out of reach, but I think walking and jogging it and covering the distance mm. is definitely there for you. Yeah. And that's something that you can do. I, I know I started back after, I think I had an Achilles injury there a few years ago, and I started back walking and jogging, a minute walk, a minute jog, and I was doing it for 15 minutes initially, and then before I knew it, I was up to 30 minutes, and I could actually cover 5K in 30 minutes of walking and jogging. And one thing you notice when you do walk and jog is that you'll think better about the form that you're running in for that one minute. Hmm. And so you get to do that 15 times in 30 minutes. So you run better for the time that you're running. Okay. And then you recover for the minute and then you gradually increase it and you're running for two minutes and then you're running for three minutes and just walking for one. So before you know it, you'll be up covering 5K. And then once you can do that, then, you know, you can head for 10k and beyond oh look i'm I'm very excited about it and i do appreciate your patience with me on it when uh, let's face it you've got a lot more pressing athletes on your mind at this point uh, how are they coming along and what's the buzz around the camp at the moment surely uh, with two less than two months to go there it must be like you must be able to feel it in the air yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it can be quite a nervous time. I mean, for some of the athletes, they're still focused on the US Olympic trials. And, you know, they've got to get over that hurdle to actually get mm. to the Olympics. And then with the Olympics looming, you know, it's close, but it's still far away. And, you know, there's, you know, you can be flying along. And it's just there's always this fear, you know, that something's going to happen mm. between now and then, you know, every time you make a plan to kind of a training plan. And, you know, we were I was asking questions to the head coach last week and he's like, hold back, hold back. Come on, one week at a time. Yeah, because you do start to get ahead of yourself and you look too far down the track. And so we are focused on one one week at a time at the moment. And at the end of this week, we're going back down to sea level. And when you spend so much time on the mountain, going to sea level is just it's just great. You feel so good down there. You don't mind running on hilly runs because uh, it's so much better. There's more oxygen down there. Yeah. But the athletes are going to run at the Portland Track Classic next weekend. So that's kind of something to look forward to. And, you know, it's always great for the athletes to have the opportunity to, I suppose, come down off some hard training, hmm. have a few easy days and go out and test themselves. And then you just check in to see where you're at. And um, How you know, much of it is managing their confidence like you, you know so much of it must be belief and you know faith yeah there is a lot of that because you know when you do week upon week of training and then you've got to kind of remi remind yourself that why you're doing that and you know you can get really good at training but then you know the reason you're doing this is because you've got to run the races and you've got to get results whether that's how fast you run or you know trying to win the races you have to get practice of that as well. And athletes can get a bit far away from that sometimes when they lock themselves away training, that you have to kind of awaken the competitive juices and get them out there really wanting to race and get involved in the race. So that's always a nervous time because, you know, you don't always know how you feel and how you're going to react to, you know, coming off a big block of training and putting yourself on the line. So um, are, are, let me have a final question about these athletes, because, you know, you and I big fans of The Last Dance and just kind of examining that like strange, like creature that was the competitive spirit of Michael Jordan and how he wanted to kill you at drafts. <laughs> like He wanted he didn't just want to beat you. He wanted to hammer you at whatever he was playing. No crack to hang around with, clearly. Are there those athletes in the camp that you can just see this fellow, this girl would, you know, want a game of flicking cards into a bucket if it meant that she got the juice of a victory? You don't see it on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, it's really, I always find that the better athletes, they're able to differentiate between when they need to, you know, put it all on the line 
and when they can relax and just be normal. Mm. And I think most athletes who you see out there competing on a high level behind the scenes, they're actually quite calm and relaxed. And you have to be because if you're if you're tense and uptight all the time, then you you can't live like that. Yeah, it's impossible. You have there's a time to, you know, block everything out and be competitive. And, you know, you'll do anything to get a result. But, you know, there's I mean, we, we work hard in training and, you know, yeah, to a certain level. But, um, yeah, I think you have to manage it and you just kind of differentiate between the times when you need to be on top of your game and the time when you need to be just doing the work. You know, I would love to do a chat about mental toughness with you and maybe we could bring in Enda McNulty or somebody who specifically focused on that because it it is just one of those things, especially coming around out of this lockdown and kind of having to, you know, be tough and get out there and turn it around, whether you're, it's your business that's lost a lot of money or your industry or just your running that you need to get a bit tougher with your running it'd be a fun chat to have because so many people struggle with it so many people have it in spades but it's just an area that i'd imagine that you must know in your head sonia that the those that show a toughness in training when push comes to shove around that final bend that's when it will appear again yeah, I mean, they know how to practice it, but they know how to switch it on and off, I think, is that's the key thing. And like, that's it. I suppose that's kind of a hard thing for me as well, is that when you work with athletes that you become emotionally involved in what they're doing. And so when you come home from training, there's certain things that will be in your head that you've kind of seen and that will bother you. And so you've got to have a good think about it before you go back to the athlete and kind of ask them about things. And try and, you know, guide them in the right direction, because there are certain things that, you know, people can overthink things and they can become too obsessed with what they're doing. And so you have to kind of pull that down a little bit because that can take that takes away from the preparation. And sometimes you can be putting too much energy into the preparation. And then by the time you get to the race, you're exhausted and you're worn out. Yeah. And so as much as the training is important for athletes, you have to have something extra for the race. And that's really important to, you know, a lot of athletes will just have it naturally and they're able to do that. But some you have to work and point that out to them that, hang on a second, this is just training. The race is the most important thing. And that's what we're working towards. Absolutely fascinating stuff. As always, Sonia, thank you so much for doing this. There's more. Come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. There's never been a better time to do it. No obligation. You can sign up and cancel it next month if you fancy it. Uh, Give it a try anyway. For the price of a cup of tea and a bun, you can hear extended cuts of all of our episodes, including bonus episodes with Marion McKeown every Friday and the selection box on a Thursday. And again, uh, Brian Connolly is on production and John Mar does the extra research. Tina and Mikey make it all possible. Sonia, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. I'm going to go and do my mobility exercises now before <laughs> I head out the door. Very good. Very good. Thanks a lot, Sonia. <laughs>